This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Steve Daniel with you, and it's my Pride playlist tonight. So on Virgin Radio Pride, I am joined by a legend of the scene. Uh, the man who's been heart of the gay scene since early 90s. He's also performed at every single Royal Vauxhall Tavern Sunday afternoon drag show. We reckon for about 24 years. When it comes to the scene, this man's been there. He's DJed at every Pride event across the country. Simon Levance, it's really great to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's really lovely to have you here. There's songs, as you would expect, from someone like Simon, who's been on the scene. I mean, he's known as the legend Levans in the scene, so the songs are pretty epic over the next hour. I had to pay a great deal of money to be known as the legend Levans, <laughs> believe me. Let's start right at the beginning on your list of legendary tunes. And this is going to be over the next hour. We're going to learn so much about the scene, where we've come from, how far we've got to go. But the first song is... Well, the first song is it's a it's a a very cool tune by Grace Jones because uh, she she did some not quite so cool tunes at the beginning of her career, sort of high energy stuff. Yeah, and then she made this album which which was very sophisticated. Uh, the the tune is Private Life. Yeah, uh, it was originally a Pretenders song, so it's a cover version. And if you listen to the Pretenders version, then and then Grace Jones's version, they are so far apart. Uh, and I chose this because it's kind of the first time. I went into a nightclub and I felt comfortable in a nightclub and that nightclub was called the Midnight Express in Boscombe, in Bournemouth um, in a very salubrious part of Bournemouth, it's probably much nicer now but it wasn't very nice then and I tried going to like big straight clubs like um, uh, the Academy in Boscombe yeah. uh, which was kind of smoked glass and you know chrome fittings and a very sort of meat markety if I can say that, you know, all the lads stood round the outside of the dance floor, all the girls were dancing. Sticky carpets, mirrors. And it, well, it was clean, but, you know, it was uh, it was very sort of um, of its time. And they did run a gay night uh, at the Academy in Boscombe on, on Sundays called uh, Bolts, I believe it was called. Right. Uh, and this is kind of um, mid-80s, early to mid-80s. And I was convinced if I stood in the queue to go into Bolts that my entire family, for some reason, would drive past in a minibus <laughs> and see me. And I wasn't even out to myself then um, but I DJed at the youth club and I loved disco music and I loved dancing and all that sort of thing and uh, there was a lyric of a Pet Shop Boys song um, which came out much later than this called Can You Forgive Her mm. and it's uh, she made you some kind of laughing stock because you dance to disco and you don't like rock and that really when I heard that lyric for the first time I thought that's me in the youth club kind of dancing to disco and then a rock song would come and I'd be yeah I danced to that as well because it's not just disco I like um, but yeah, the Midnight Express was one of those places where you walk in and you go, "This is my kind of club." They played jazz, they played soul, they played the Clash, they played Grace Jones. So uh, that's why I've chosen it. And and it was one of those places you could dance like no one was watching because no one was, and you could be yourself. It wasn't necessarily a gay bar, I don't think, but it had that sort of vibe. Steve Danny with you tonight on my Pride playlist on Virgin Radio Pride, joined by scene legend, DJ, event organiser, broadcaster, Simon Levance. And, uh, you know, even though I've known you for, well, it's going on a decade now, isn't it? I've never asked you this question. Let me take you right back to the beginning. When did you get the DJ bug? Was it around this time? Oh, no, no, the bug started at the youth club in my hometown. Right. So I used to go when when I was allowed at the age of 13 and one night the DJ wasn't very busy and the DJ went, uh, do, you, do you want to go on this? Because I was standing there watching him, watching the wheels of steel go round. Uh, and I went, yeah, I'll have a go. And then from then on I started DJing friends' parties and then local bars in my hometown. 
So by the time I moved to London, I was making a reasonably, you know, 10 quid a gig I was making. Uh, uh, so when I moved to London and uh, I didn't come out straight away and I didn't really, I, I moved to London to go to drama school. Uh, there were no other gay people on my course, so I didn't come out straight away. I didn't come out until 1988. So September 1987, I moved to London. Uh, the reason I came out in 1988 is some of the girls I was at college with said, uh, do you ever go clubbing? I went, yeah, I love clubbing, I love clubbing. Well, I didn't say it quite that camply. I went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right, yeah, you know. I don't know why I spoke in a cod London accent. Anyway, they said, well, the best club in London these days, it's called Heaven, it's a gay club. If it's all right with you, if you don't mind, I was like, no, I don't mind going to club. And <laughs> Give of it a go. We walked into heaven. This small town country boy who'd been clubbing in Bournemouth, don't forget, and I, I never realised there were that many gay people in the whole wide world. Wow. Let alone in one nightclub in London. And and then I learned that the scene is so much part of what I already loved, dancing and DJing and and music and and stuff. Um, so so I I felt pretty much at home straight away uh, and my second choice of song is kind of a throwback to dancing to disco in the youth club yeah because you were always wary when you're when you're a boy dancing to disco that is this is this giving away who i really am and you're terrified mm. um so some of the lyrics of this song kind of i mean it's about it, it, the song is fundamentally about a, a woman whose man is in another city and she's hoping he doesn't go off with another woman but I always kind of read it as my best friend is the sort of person I'm in love with and he wants a girlfriend, but he doesn't really, he wants me. So there, there's a great lyric, when you're sitting on your own and you feel the city lights around you, don't forget I'm here too. And it's a disco song, but it's kind of melancholic as well. And I love that kind of melancholic tone to it. So it's, it's Odysseys Inside Out, the great disco band, but it's kind of, it's a disco with a message and some thought and some emotion. The next song, we're kind of swerving into a whole different vibe, aren't we? What are we going for next? Well, it's, it's a song from a musical. Cliché alert. <laughs> I was waiting. But I wasn't kind of... I wasn't one of those... Uh, I, I was born and brought up on a farm. So we used to kind of play outside. We didn't watch old films on you know, BBC Two... Sunday lunchtimes or Saturday lunchtime, we were out playing. Um, so I never really knew about musical theatre and 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 uh, also big musical films. Um, but I used to go to my local record shop an awful lot because I DJed at the youth club. I used to go through all the records and look at the covers and go, oh, this looks interesting and that looks interesting. And I found this record um, and it's from a musical called Dreamgirls, which we all know about yes. now. But in 1982, we didn't know about it. No. It was just on Broadway. Uh, and they released a single to promote it over here, Jennifer Holiday, and I'm telling you I'm not going. And I, I, I look, looked at the cover in the record shop and took it home and was playing all the new records I bought with an eye to playing them at the youth club and stuff. And then, then I played this and I was like, Oh my God, this is the best record I've ever heard in my life. This is the most grandiose, overblown, camp, wonderful, lyrically superb, beautifully orchestrated bit of music I've ever heard. And I tried playing it at the youth club and various other gigs yeah. as the slow one, and everyone looked at me like I'd gone mad. <laughs> um, but I thought it was the best record ever made. And, and I mean, it's it's on my Pride playlist. So I still think it's one of the best records ever made. Jennifer Holliday. And I am telling you, I've seen a million drag queens do it too. I was going to say, I mean, I've seen this so many times at the Vauxhall Tavern. It's kind of, it's almost like a staple. And every time I see this being done, it's a belter, isn't it? And, and it's, it gets a, a standing it's, it's a great one end. to mime to as well. 
and more on that a bit later on. Ah. Um, the first time I ever heard that tune was in the 90s. And if I think back to it, it was a kind of like mid-90s dance remix. Was it Donna... Donna Giles. Giles, yeah. Which was, what do you think, the thoughts on remixing such a legendary song like well, that? Well, it was because Donna Giles was a transgender woman. Really? And uh, who, I believe, died of an AIDS-related illness. Right. And it was released, re-released the Donna Giles version to raise money for HIV charity. Oh, incredible. I mean, yeah. I was 18. I just remember hearing it and thinking, oh, I love this, and I got it. I didn't know that. And it's got there's a long history of, of gay producers and the gay scene wanting dance versions of the pop records that are around. Yeah. So, of course, but the second time I heard it wasn't the Donna Giles version. It was someone miming to the original version that we just played yeah okay now i must just ask you obviously you're at the Vauxhall tavern i've known you being at the Vauxhall tavern since my first visit which is something like 12 years ago i think we got chatting that very evening we didn't did we? Yeah, then. yeah um and whenever you go to the tavern i mean every literally every other week you hear a legendary story about a celebrity that's been there the princess diana story always comes up does you knew i was going to ask because i was there this. that night there's about 400 million people that were there that I night know. i wasn't there that night but but i've got to ask you do you think it happened? Did it happen? So the story, let's just re- recap on the story. It was Princess Diana, Freddie Mercury and... Kenny Everett. OK, and the story goes that they... They, they dragged s- her up as a kind of clone, as a as, you know, with the moustache and, and, and the peaked cat. <laughs> I love this story. Because she wanted to go out to a gay bar. Um, and so they said, well, well, we'll take you to the Vauxhall Tavern. It's quite dark. You can sit at the back, you can watch the drag show and you can have a dance. That's the story, because she wanted to go out and they were, yeah, we can do that for you. And nobody noticed nobody was there now i've seen plenty of celebrities in there yeah. over the years from mark armand uh, andy bell uh, i mean loads of people well, come gareth to the thomas is there all the time gareth thomas he? comes down and it's one of those places where you used to sneak into mm. but now you can go into with your head held high i mean if you're a celebrity yeah you used to sneak into um and so many celebrities have been, been on stage there i mean you were on stage there with belinda carlisle yeah and it's a really special experience i mean we'll come on to the specialness of the rvt um, is it, so, so you think it happened, did you? The, the, the I, 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 it, it, I, there's no reason why it wouldn't have happened. It's not so far-fetched that it couldn't have happened. I've got to ask you, while we're on the subject of celebrities there, what's the biggest surprise of a celebrity you've seen in there? Has, has there been a celebrity that stopped you in your tracks? Well, on stage, I think um, Dan Gillespie Sells uh, was doing a gig. Uh, I, f- I forget what it was for. It must have been a fundraiser. And it was the, 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 the day that Prince died. Right. And on stage at the tavern with an acoustic guitar, he sang Purple Rain Live. Wow. And it just completely blew my mind. I mean, what, what, a, what a thing to happen. And it's one of those venues that, that it, anything can happen. And sometimes it's, it's you know, your, your standard drag doing your standard drag songs, and sometimes it's celebrity with an acoustic guitar. And the sound system's so good that you can have, you can have a full band on there, or you can just have someone miming to backing tracks, and it still works. So you can have whole the- theatrical experiences. We do a panto every year. Uh, Edinburgh preview shows, all sorts of things. It's one of those, uh, it's jokingly called a, a multifaceted uh, arts centre or a pub on a roundabout, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> but it really is. It can be yeah. a theatre, it can be a cabaret venue, kind of classy cabaret, yeah. if a little faded, uh, but it can be a full-on banging nightclub as well, which is, which is why I love the play. And you can, even though it's quite small, you can get lost in it, in a good way, I mean. 
Steve Denny uh, with you doing my Pride playlist tonight on Virgin Radio Pride. Simon Levance, uh, his pick, The Cure, In Between Days there. Why did you want that? I mean, it's a great song. Well, as well as being a disco boy... Uh, I was always uh, already an indie kid as well. I, right. mean, I loved I loved guitar music from when I was very young. Um, watching Top of the Pops, you know, watching the Sweet and T Rex and whatever. Uh, and then in the eighties, there was a sort of a, a post punk new wave kind of indie scene, which mm. was massive. You know, with the Jam, who I love, and I this I would that I had enough time to play four hundred records. The Jam would be on there. Uh, would Morrissey not have said some of the things he said recently? Then the Smiths would have been on there. Mm. But I put the Cure in because I think it's a. It's one of the best indie records ever made. It's got a great intro, which it's which we heard, and it just you've got to get up and dance. Yeah, it? and it's still dancing. I'm still dancing, but it's the indie records, and it kind of also showed me when I was watching The Cure on top of the pops. This man's got makeup on. He's a bit sort of floppy and flamboyant. Nobody seems to care that he's like that. So it's kind of an alternative music for an alternative lifestyle. Even though I still, by the time that came out in 1985, wasn't quite out yet. Yeah. It kind of talked to me, and I love the sound of it as well. And as a DJ, this is really interesting, that that music, there's still such a passion and love for that music. Just last year, the week before, two weeks before lockdown, before the pandemic, I went to the Saturday night evening at the RVT, Ducky, and I'm sure I heard... Uh, that song, a bit of Bowie, Modern Love. I mean, every song that was played is an alternative indie night, got a cheer, and the cheers grew louder and louder throughout the whole evening. The night was packed, and it's all I thought of during lockdown. Oh, my goodness, that was the final time I went out, but it was so good. So, And there's still a need for that kind of music, isn't there, within the scene? Absolutely, and, and Ducky, in very many ways, is like a youth club. So at the youth club, I would play whatever was in the top 40, whether it was Madness or whether it was Cure or whether it was Kelly Marie. And Ducky kind of has that vibe about it, and it's one of the, the great things at the tavern. And when I came out onto the scene, it was very dance music-based, disco music, as music-based, but then a club was launched called Pop Stars. Yes, in King's Cross. Uh, well, it started in Islington in a, in a venue called Paradise, which instantly is the first venue I ever played one record after another and mixed them. Really? Yeah, because I'd never mixed before. I just segued. Yeah, play one song and then another. That's what song. I do. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. And and I used I used to work there behind the bar when I was a student. And I was like, so give me give me a job. I can DJ. I can DJ. Give me a job. I can DJ. And one night the DJ didn't turn up. Classic story. Uh, and the guy said, well, go, go and get your records and we'll see what you can do. And I it was Black Box. I think was the first record I put on Ride on Time. And I thought I can mix. I've watched people mix. Surely I can mix. And it turns out I could, thankfully. Um, but yeah, that's where that's where pop stars started, and it had such an amazing effect because there were a lot of people on the scene who kind of, yeah, I like disco, but I used to love indie and I like rock and pop and yeah. whatever. And then they they discovered, of course, there is another tribe of people within the LGBTQI plus community who also like that sort of music. So it's tribes within tribes, and it's very important that the scene is diverse for that because it, it it can get too. Too two-dimensional. Yeah, if you're not yeah. Careful. Do you think that there's still a need for those big, you know, like one thousand five hundred people plus nights? Have we moved on from that? It seems like, in my memory, a very late nineties, early noughties concept. Those huge warehousey type things. Well, this, the the kind of super club thing, of course, um, and the warehouse rave started beyond the scene. Uh, the scene when I came out in 88, there, there were still some of the old bars where you had to knock on the door and someone, there was a place called The Grid just north of Camden 
tiny little place, not much bigger than this studio, with a rope light round the dance floor. Right. Um, and then now you have these massive clubs. I mean, there's a a gay night as we still call them now, mm. coming uh, a pride sort of theme thing at the Ministry of Sound. Now, that would never have happened back in the day. So the the, the biggest gay clubs were themselves or, or some of the clubs such as the Fridge in Brixton, which had a gay night on Tuesdays and Saturdays, but the rest of the time wasn't. And they weren't per se a gay venue. And then the super clubs came along, uh, Super Marche. Yes. Uh, from huge, Europe. And, huge I mean, nights. just absolutely enormous nights. And that's kind of off the back of the super club and the super DJ, you know, your David Getters and all that. And and I think, I mean, there is a, an a, Ibiza, really. You know, you go to somewhere like Pasha in Ibiza and it's just enormous and it's wonderful. But I kind of preferred, always preferred the intimate... Uh, you know, 300, 400 people dancing to either, you know, indie disco or, or funky house mm. or, you know, just a bit more specialised rather than... And that's not... I, I, don't, I don't want to come across as snobby, but I think it's just more intimate. I think you can be yourself more. It's nice to experience the big now and then, but sometimes it's just nice to be with your niche and dance... Like, nobody's watching. Nobody ever watches me dance. <laughs> I think that's probably best for both of us as well. Now, what are we going to go for next? What are you picking? Well, now, this is this, this is the beginning of house music. Right. So I'm a disco boy. I come out, come to London, go to drama school, get taken to heaven, and, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, this is the most amazing place. Uh, there's another... Uh, I met some people in heaven who took me to another place called Bang. And in these places, uh, house music was coming out of uh, Chicago and, and New York, and they they were playing some of it in amongst the high energy and the old disco stuff in the, in the London clubs, even as late as '88. Right. And then I heard this record, uh, and, and it was produced by a producer called Todd Terry, who's still with us, uh, out of New York, mm. and it was kind of his take on because house music really is DJs making records. So they're not producers, they're not orchestrators, they're not arrangers, they're not songwriters, so they take samples and bits and bobs or take an old vocal. Mm -hmm. And Todd Terry kind of developed this very garagey sound, very snare, little, little snare gags and stuff, and found this vocal from First Choice. It was an old disco number. Um, and he, he built this track around it and built a whole album, really, around it. And the first time I heard it, it absolutely blew me away. Can you remember where you were when you heard I it? I can remember exactly where I was. I was in Bang, which was uh, in a club called Busby's, which was under the Astoria. Right, connected is, to the Astoria, on yeah. Total Court Road, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, which is no longer there, of course, uh, any of it. Yeah. And I was taken by some of the people I met in heaven, I was taken there. And I remember it coming on and thinking, this, it, this is the most incredible sound I've ever heard. And back to the back to the youth club, back to dancing, back back to disco dancing. And finally, though, I could just let rip, and I could just dance with all my energy, and without having to worry about whether my arms are being too camp. And this song was, uh, oh, it lit a light in me. I tell you. And the great thing about this song is we come off the back of that. That uh, here's another song you could pick um, with with the weekend. You could pick so many uh, remixes over the years, can't you? Of that yeah. song, and people still use bits of that song as well. Yeah, and and the kind of that that sampley uh, way of making music is is still around. You know, it was it was it was part of hip hop. It's it's become part of many different uh, different creations of music and different types of music. Interestingly, uh, the next song we're going to play it was often played immediately after Weekend by the Todd Terry Project in Bang. Right. And the DJ was mixing. And, and they had a thing where they used to kind of sample before samplers w were used in clubs. But they used to 
get the next record playing and then just put the fader up and sample a little bit of it. So you knew what was coming? So you knew what was coming. Lovely. And there's a, a, a sound effect of a door slamming at the beginning of this song. It's Court's Lock, Love Eviction, by the way. And then immediately the vocal, a spoken vocal from Lonnie Gordon goes, well, well, so you finally got here. So she's been sitting up waiting for her man to come home and yeah. he's been out with some pickup trash. <laughs> and, and, and so they used to sample the CB Dancing to Weekend and then you hear this, well, well. And the first time I saw a witness this, everyone on the dance floor cheered and I'm like, what the hell is going on? What are they cheering? Then when they let the record go, when they played Love Eviction Court's Lock, I knew exactly why they were cheering because it's utter genius and it was put together by the guy who used to DJ Love Muscle at the Fridge. So wow. it's a gay record. It really is. Yeah. And is it, could you get away with playing stuff like this anymore in your sets or is it... Can you, do you do old school nights? Does old school still have an audience? Old school still has an audience. It, sometimes it can get a bit repetitive because the same old school records are played every time. Yeah. I'd like to do, I'd love to do a funky house old school night. Wow. And I'd love to do a more kind of, uh, yeah, a, 80s house because there's such a variety in 80s house. Uh, and you would have to play this. This would have to be played and Weekend would have to be played every night and then everything else around it. But there's so many good early house tunes, especially British house stuff. Steve Denier on my Pride playlist on Virgin. Radio Pride tonight, joined by Simon Levans. Now, I remember meeting you. I think the first time we ever met was at your beloved Royal Vauxhall Tavern. It's my first visit on a Sunday afternoon, and you invited me along. And the DE experience, the Day Medna experience, was on stage, and I was blown away. I mean, it's hard to describe, but the show was so, so good. It, it, well, it's the best of drag. Um, DE, Jonathan, played a lot of other places as well. Uh, but the, the tavern was kind of their home um and interestingly the first time i came across drag bars so i i went from coming out straight into the nightclub scene and you might have a few kind of go go girls in inverted commas <laughs> uh, but it was clubbing and then some some friends i met in bang said oh you've, you've got to come to the black cap in camden on sunday sunday afternoon i'm like why oh well there's this guy he's quite old it, it's fine, he's he's no longer with us, so I can say he was quite old. And his name was uh, Lee Paris. Right. And he would sing Delilah and tell jokes and then sing uh, kind of old 60s tunes. And it was kind of my first introduction to drag. Right. And this, this venue, the Black Cap in Camden, started my journey into the whole drag and uh, drag DJ. So what year are we talking here? We're, we're talking, oh, it's all in the same, it's all 1988 because I just threw myself into the whole thing. Right. But interestingly, in the Black Cap, there was this creation called Regina Fong, Her Imperial Highness. Now, I've heard about this this act. I mean, bonkers, absolutely bonkers. What was it? it look, it's so difficult to describe. <laughs> there, there are uh, videos on YouTube. Right. Um but you'll watch them and you'll go, oh, I have no idea what this was about. So some friends took me. She'll mime to a bit of Coronation Street and then a, an advert for washing powder <laughs> right. and then do Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, but it's Skippy the Butch Kangaroo and the audience have to go, Butch, Butch, Butch. So there's lots of interaction in it. Um, and I was taken to this and I'm jelly babies are whizzing past my ears because people are throwing them at her for one particular piece. And I'm like, what, what on earth is going Sounds on here? Brilliant. Who are these people? Why are they <laughs> taking me here? What's this got to do with my sexuality? And then she would have guest drag performers on, mime drag performers. Mm. And then as the night wore on, she, she would say, and, and I'm, uh, uh, I, 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 this was the word that was used to describe the artist Sade. Not, not the singer, Sade, it's Sade. Mm. 
the skinny bitch. It's time for the skinny bitch. And everyone's going, yes! And I'm like, what, what the What on earth is going to happen? It's time for the European hair. And everyone would cheer, it's time for the fur coat. And I'm like, what is going on? It's the skinny bitch. This beautiful creature, Jade, came on, looking like a, a, a cast member of Dreamgirls. Right. And she stands there and she's wearing a fur coat. She's beautiful, cheekbones to the sky, dripping in jewellery. And what starts playing? But Jennifer Holiday, and I'm telling you I'm not going. It, we've heard it today. It mm -hmm. starts with that bell clinging. As soon as that bell starts, yeah. everyone around me, there's 250 people around me, go berserk and start cheering. And they put their hands out in front of them, start wiggling their hands. Yeah, And I'm like... This is incredible. And I'm suddenly in a room with 300 people who love that song that nobody else loved and only I loved. Amazing. And I'm, I'm, my brain says, welcome home, you're home now. Yeah. This is where you belong. Uh -huh. this is, these, these are your people, this is your place. Very, very important to me. You could say that the tavern has had exactly the same effect over the years as well because it's just not just a plate at like a safe space but in the 10 12 years I've been there I've met people we've all been on a journey together we've lost people I've met new friends there've been terrible terrorist attacks around the world we've been there and we've given a moment's silence it's it's like a church it is and and really these venues such as the two boroughs in, in Clapham, the Black Cap in Camden, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. When I came out into 88, of course, I came out into the AIDS crisis. We've watched It's a Sin, which yeah. starts in, in 82 and builds to kind of 88, 89. You'll know what that was like. So I was meeting people for the very first time. This is my friend Jeff. This is my friend Steve. Six months later, they were dead. Wow. And, and, and it was just... And the scene, instead of falling to pieces, just went, right, we're going to have to do something about this. And all the drag queens would... We'd, we'd put on these great days where there's, like, 20 acts on all day and buckets were shaken and they'd all do it for nothing. And it was really... It made the scene more... Far more than just a party scene. Mm -hmm. It made it a, a, a proper community. Uh, and at the same time, the, the, there was always a bit of a... A, a tense relationship between the lesbians and the gay men because it was a bit them and us. And the scene was kind of... It was for gay men because it was paid for gay, by gay men and, uh, the, you know, the lesbians had a lesbian night on a Tuesday. Like, the gays had a, a Tuesday night at a straight club. Mm. Uh, but but the one of the first groups to go, right, we're going to roll our sleeves up and we're going to do something about this, we're going to help... The lesbians just went, what can we do? What mm. can we do? And it was the, the, the sense of community, uh, you know, in the clubs and in the bars and the, and the drag shows. It was, it was astounding. And at the very same time, uh, Section 28 was brought in, which famously uh, kind of precluded anyone in local authority, employ teachers of promoting the lifestyle, the LGBTQ lifestyle. Mm. And that was the first change that had been made to the law around homosexuality since it was decriminalised. Um, and it was a backward step. And it really, uh, this is where the word pride comes in, because pride, the parade, pride, the event, my first pride in 88, uh, was a demo. It had gone from being a party into a demo. Up with this, we will not put. Um, and so, you know, we kind of marched, we marched with our placards and we were visible and, and, and I was thinking about doing this interview and I think for me pride is the opposite of shame and a lot of LGBT people feel shame growing up 
So pride is just the expression that we will not feel that shame anymore. And then when we've got a fight to fight, then we'll fight it. And you will not be able to stop us. This next tune by the Pet Shop Boys. We're going for Left to My Own Devices. I remember this. I was kind of, I think, uh, this is a song after Domino Dancing. So it was a 1988 kind of October. This is when I started to discover music. But I assume that this song was right smack bang in that period that we've just spoken about with Section 28, HIV, AIDS just becoming this just overwhelming crisis. Yes. Um, is that why you picked this song? Well, I picked it because, it, I mean, it, it became, that there was a whole kind of queer pop movement. It kind of started by Boy George, the way he looked. Mm. I mean, you know, Rod Stewart did songs about gay, gay characters and there was some campery uh, in, in glam rock and Bowie was, you know, kind of famously said he was bisexual. But by the time 1988 comes along, uh, Boy George released a song called No Clause 28, which was a direct political reference in pop to Section 28. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the, the uh, erasure came along and Andy Bell was plainly a gay man and not trying to hide it and you had all these these kind of queer pop groups unashamedly queer pop groups not necessarily writing about um uh, you know frankie goes to hollywood were, were very openly sort of queer and the pet shop boys were kind of sophisty pop but with a bit of queer thrown in on the side mm. and i could play a million pet shop boys songs oh, i absolutely so good, adore them i adore them um i, I referred uh, referred earlier to um can you forgive her yeah, um, which lyrically is, is is such a great song. It's about a boy going out with a girl, and the girl noticing he actually still fancies the boy. Really, who's his best friend? Right. That's what the song's about. So lyrically, they explore these things in their songs. The reason I've chosen left to my own, left to my own device is, uh, if not for the uh, line Che Guevara and Debussy to a disco beat, <laughs> which it. is love the greatest. It, it. it doesn't make any sense, but it's a great lyric. <laughs> the or orchestration of it, the swirling counter melody of the s- strings in the middle eight, it's just, it's ev- it's so it's so Pet Shop Boys and it's such genius and I you put this on now, I'll dance to it. Yeah. Put it on now, I'll dance. It's, it's kind of like five and a half minutes of genius, isn't it? It's utter genius I love it so much. I can't wait for your next pick, what's it to be? Well it's a bit of a journey here, so I got a job in the Royal Oak in Hammersmith uh, which was a gay bar very much like the Vauxhall Tavern and Two Brewers Yeah. Um and uh, karaoke was emerging, and I was doing the sound for these drag acts and various other performers, like Katrina and the boy, who was a, a cisgender woman and, and a handsome boy playing the keyboard and doing comedy stuff. Didn't and they used to warm up for Lily Savage? They did lots of stuff with Lily Savage, yeah. yeah. Um, did, did you get... ever work with Lily Savage? There's so much I would need to ask you. But... I, I, I can't, well, there, there's a sort of sideways working with, with Lily Savage. Yeah. Because uh, at the uh, Royal Oak, I did karaoke one night and I'm stood on the stage and I'm thinking, I can't hear myself or the music very well. So I said to the governor, we need uh, what they're called stage monitors, stroke foldback. So you know when you're watching a band perform, there are speakers on the stage facing back upwards towards the band. Yes. Because they can't hear what you're hearing in the audience because the speakers are facing you. So they the get audience. more of an immediate sound back. So they, they can those? hear themselves and what they're singing to. Mm. And I said, we, we, need, we need a pair of these speakers. Um, and then all the drag queens were, oh, the Royal Oak, they've really improved the set. The guy there's really good. I wasn't called Simon Levans then. I was just DJ Simon. DJ Simon. <laughs> and uh, one night, the regular guy at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern either wasn't very well or was on holiday or couldn't do the gig, and they were scratching around for someone to come and do the sound. And it was uh, 
Paul O'Grady's partner at the time, who was also his manager and his lover, who said, uh, who rang a couple of his friends who were uh, performers and said, well, you, can you recommend anyone? They went, well, Simon at the uh, at the Royal Oak's pretty good. He knows his beans. And so I that's the first night I teched, I did something at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Amazing. I don't think Paul O'Grady was on stage. No. I mean, I'd worked with him, uh, I think, at the Royal, uh, the Royal Oak. I was sort of terrified of him, uh, just because he was so brilliant and such a big star and I wanted to get it right. The interesting thing with Paul O'Grady and Lily Savage, and actually to a later stage, the DE experience, people always say, did you ever see them? You know, and Paul O'Grady's gone down Lily Savage, because he doesn't do Lily Savage anymore. It's gone down in kind of like almost like historical status, hasn't it? But you witnessed Lily Savage, did you, at the time? Oh, oh, absolutely. Tell me a bit about that. Well, it's kind of, I mean, you know, Paul O'Grady's a funny, funny guy. Um... Not the greatest singer in the world, I'm sure he'd agree. But so he did Marlena Dietrich, and it was one of those things where the the, the cream would always rise to the top. And however, you know, most people stay in the niche. If you're a Northern Club comic and that's what you do and you're really good at it, or if you're singing on the cruise ships, you're never going to be on, you know, on top of the pops or whatever because it doesn't exist anymore, but you get the idea. <laughs> uh, but sometimes the cream rises to the top and Paul O'Grady is is one of those people um, who who not became too big for what he was doing, but people were coming to see it and going, why aren't you doing this on the television? Yeah, which he did, didn't he? I mean, next thing, he's on ITV, like, Luke's Women. And, uh, well, and, uh, he was on, the first thing he ever morning. did as uh, Lady Savage on television was an ITV special thing. And uh, those of us who'd worked with him and had watched him over the years were thinking, you've got to do this show, which you normally do at the Vauxhall Tavern yeah. or, you know, whatever, but without swearing. <laughs> and we were just watching his brain going, don't swear, don't swear. Do the same songs, do the same gags, but don't swear. And it was quite funny to watch. It must have been very difficult for him. But that kind of, you know, that that has happened. So many people have emerged from the scene, from our community, from playing in the bars and then the clubs yeah. to, you know, to having careers beyond that. And and it's so lovely to see. Yeah, I mean, most recently, Lavoie, Myra Dubois, yeah. Charlie Hyde's on RuPaul. So yeah. it, it continues, it goes on and on and on. I knew this would happen. There's so much to talk to you about. We've forgotten <laughs> about the next track. The next tune is Turn Up the Bass, isn't it? Uh, 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 yeah. Well, now, this is, this is uh, yet another clubbing thing that I didn't know existed. So I was taken to the fridge in Brixton on Monday nights. The, the big night they had was called Chow Baby. But before Chow Baby, there was a night called Daisy Chain. And the, the, the music they chose to play uh, from the house genre was hip house. So they played a bit of rave, you know, a bit of Todd Terry and stuff, but then they played hip house. Now, hip house was a, a, a hybrid between hip hop and house. Right. So it's, it's rappers, but with a four to the floor, 128 beats per minute. And, and I loved a bit of old school hip hop back in the day. I, I, rapper's Delight it is one of the greatest tunes it nearly made the list uh public enemies first album astounding stuff so when when those two collided and it happened in the fridge which was a kind of it was a, it was a more fridge was quite hot i went there i remember thinking i mean my young impressionable 18 year old mind thought wow this is uh it's quite a hard club night it, wasn't it it's quite it was full on in it every was way serious clubbing the yeah. music was serious yeah in fact, the, the, my other favourite club in Brixton which was called Substation South, which was a much smaller club, referring back to us saying, you know, the intimacy of clubs is yeah. sometimes the best thing about mm-hmm. them. They played Funky House there. Uh, and I, I dare say that, that the early stuff of Funky House was being played at uh, Daisy Chain. But this hip house, and when I heard the intro to this song, 
I was like, well, this is me because it's, it's the, the the rhythm is superb, and 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 with the rap over the top of it, it just it's it's a beautiful hybrid, and it works so well. You're listening to Simon Levance tonight, my guest picking his songs that have marked his, well, 30 years working in the scene. And I'm glad for the next pick, because uh, we're going from the 90s to indie here. We talked about pop stars earlier, which was kind of the first big indie gay club. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, that never went away. And we talked about Ducky as well, which is kind of like a a, a, a school disco, a youth club thing where you can play a bit of disco and a bit of rock and a bit of soul and a bit of funk. Just everything. You could hear... Like Born Slippy Underworld yeah. next to Britney. Yeah. And it works. But not the obvious Britney. No. It would be unobvious. Yes, yeah. And they'll play stuff like uh, Torch by Soft Cell instead of Tainted Love. And I love them for that. I love the readers' wise for that. Yeah. Uh, th- this song actually has a, 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 a person, my best mate, uh, Matt, um, who I went out with after this came out. But it was one of the, he said, do you, you, do you know this song? And I'm like, yeah, I think I've heard it a couple of times. He went, no, just really listen to it. Really listen to the lyrics. She's so angry and it's like we all know the song I Will Survive and I Will Survive like Love Eviction is about um, my man's done me wrong but I'm going to throw him out and I'm going to take charge of the situation this song is my man's done me wrong and I'm not coping very well with it at all he's got a nice new partner and he needs to know how much he's hurt me and I'm not being brave and I'm not being big I am saying you, you ought to know how I'm dealing with this and and it's absolutely bonkers and it's so angry and it's so musically brilliant and it's Alanis Morissette and it's from the album Jagged Little Pill and it it plays this at Ducky again the place goes bonkers and everyone knows the words it's a it's a lyric song it's a lyric and sound the whole thing is just genius you know i've never heard this in a club i'd love to hear oh, this like can you imagine with the, and also i mean we can only play the clean version yes you can fill in the gaps but yes. um this this is uh this is like the angriest I think she actually kind of, uh, she was therapy for me in the 90s, I actually. mean, it does, it does sound like, do, do, you, do you go and see a therapist? No, I make albums instead. <laughs> I listen to Jackie Little Pill. Yeah. So I must ask you, Simon, um, where are we at now with the scene? Now, this is kind of a big question, I suppose, because the pandemic, we've been through the pandemic, everything's shut. Luckily enough, the Royal Voxel Tavern managed to open up again. We will survive. But it very much it's is that, glory, isn't it? Because yeah. people were terrified that that yeah. might be the end. Was that scary? I mean, tell me what happened to you during the pandemic. You couldn't DJ, could you? No, no. I mean, the the, the first uh, the first thing we heard about, you know, we'd heard about that on the news before. There's SARS, uh, uh, mad cow disease. No, not mad cow disease. Hen, yeah. hen disease. Whatever, you know. And they Swine kind of flu and everything. That's, yeah. that's what yeah. I'm trying to desperately scrabble around for. And then when, as it became more serious and then other countries were closing down, I thought, well, it's not going to happen here. And then we got, we, we got told, uh, you might have to close down. But and you were DJing right to I the end, DJing, weren't you? Well, I, I mean, it, my memory is shockingly bad. Everyone, I'm famous for having a terrible memory, but it was the 15th of March. Um, Seems like 20 years ago, It was it? my <laughs> birthday and it was a Sunday yeah. and uh, Mary Mack, the excellent uh, drag queen was on stage, and as as a you know for a bit of fun, she came on in a hazmat suit. <laughs> a week later, we were shut. Yeah, Myra Dubois did the last thing on the Friday, 
And then, and then and course, that was the, just going back to that night, that Myra show, that was the night when Boris said, you know, at midnight tonight, midnight. no more pubs, Absolutely. no more clubs. What was the atmosphere like that evening? Well, I, I, I wasn't... Was it busy? I wasn't there that... No, it, it, people had already started to be uh, a bit frightened, a bit worried about going out. Mm. Um, and so kind of, I mean, I, I remember Boris saying, uh, not telling pubs to shut, but telling people not to go to them, which wasn't very helpful. So it's kind of, it's up to you, basically. Yeah, and it wasn't very helpful because to claim on any kind of, you know, for any compensation on insurance, you can say, well, we were told to shut by the government, pay up. But if you're told to stay open, but people are told not to go, it, it got a bit awkward. And I think a lot of venues were like, D -d 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 I mean, it was something completely new that, that none of us had experienced mm. before. And we didn't know, we didn't know how long it was going to go on for. Um, so there was no kind of, well, what are we going to do? Everyone mm. was like, well, I mean, I'm not, what am I going to do for work? Did some live streams. Well, I've got to say, I mean, you say you did some live streams. This is beautifully tavern because the tavern <laughs> pulled together. So like people who go to the tavern, the, the regulars pulled together and did these glorious kind of... Uh, Debbie, Debbie Ann O'Donovan. Wait, wait, just tell me about this. I mean, was... She's a regular at the tavern. She yeah. doesn't work at the tavern. She loves the tavern and we all love her. And she said, right, we're doing a Zoom party. We're doing a tavern, a Zoom party every Sunday night. And uh, before Zoom was kind of in everyone's mind, she was mm. like, well, we'll get together somehow and we'll do this. And we did. And then either one of the DJs, like me, or some of the punters would, would do a little playlist And afterwards. there'd be hundreds of people on this. Yeah. And it was incredible. And it was like all the people that you would usually see yeah. got together at exactly the same time on a Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that's love. That's That goes back to what we say about the tavern spirit. It's yes. more than just uh, a place to go. Well, it's it's community as well as, you know, you, you can go out and you can dance and you can have fun and you can watch comedy act and you can sing. But there is a community about these places. The tavern, very particularly, I think. I mean, I call it my beloved tavern because I've been there since the old king died. It's a unique place. Um <laughs> Uh, and and it is because of where it's been uh, on the scene, because of uh, uh, things like Sports Day, which happens around this time of year, which has been a fundraiser that's been running since 1982. And it was for London Gay Switchboard back in those days. And then, of course, in the 90s, it became for all the HIV charities. And now it's for mental health charities and also for, for local charities around Vauxhall. So the fact that that community existed even when the pub was shut... Uh, was remarkable and we kind of kept it going and then when we could reopen with you know social distancing and I remember the first Sunday we reopened mm. and I picked up the microphone and I just said fairly quietly it, it's the Vauxhall Tavern and of course everyone just cheer and I went you can't shush you can't yes. cheer you're not allowed to you're not allowed to sing out you're not allowed Am to Am I cheer. right in thinking that during that period so this is last summer you reopened after that first lockdown yeah. but the rules were oh. I mean you basically couldn't have fun could you so you weren't allowed to sing you couldn't cheer sing, you couldn't cheer could you, you could clap you, you, you could clap but you couldn't get up and, and the the, the performers had to be two metres further back on the stage than they were. We were fortunate at the tavern to have a big stage. Yeah. So I put the, the, the stage monitors back further and then the velvet rope across and said, yeah. you are not allowed to sing in front of this or I will stop the music. Yeah. And we were quite serious. You know, it was quite a serious thing, but we had to do something to try and stay open. And but, so many venues struggled and nightclubs couldn't do anything. No, but but the thing is, I went last summer and as weird as it was, and I think I'll always remember that, but it worked. It, it, it's it, like together, yeah. we got through it. 
Yeah. Don't you think? It's, that's fair Absolutely. to say, Absolutely, and a lot of the cabaret venues, I mean, the, the smaller ones really struggle because t- two metre distance in Halfway to Heaven, there's five people in there because it's quite a small venue. You get loads of people in there when, when they're crammed in, and the tavern, because it has it has the raised seating area at the back, fiction known as the Muppet Gallery, <laughs> and, and kind of enough space for... But, you know, not enough people, really. Not really enough people to, uh, you know to create the atmosphere and, and to to fill the tills and you know to pay for the act so it was kind of you know we were doing all so many venues and nightclubs were just you know what are we going to do what are we going to do mm. and i love my nightclubbing and and they've only been open what a matter of weeks yeah now. how is it now well, is it back to normal <laughs> it's kind of uh, we had uh, eurofest which is a uh, eurovision fans and, and schlager you know a northern european pop mm. uh, event uh, four or four four or five times a year at the tavern called eurofest and i always do the sound for it because as well as dj i'm a, I'm a knob twiddler i'm a sound guy yes um and they they must have i mean they kept they restricted the numbers a bit but it was a full on club night and suri who represented the uk in the eurovision song contest two or three years ago was the guest performer mm-hmm. and she came on I've never heard the sound like the wall of cheering from the crowd and it's like so quickly it's back yes is it back to uh, capacity now well we're keeping it kind of just slightly less than mad um, just because you know some people are still uncomfortable about going out and the club nights are coming back and the cabaret nights are coming back but for the for the big nightclubs uh, I ended up in fire on the week that clubs were allowed to open mm. don't ask me why uh, and it was people were kind of going is this alright can we <laughs> yeah. dance you know is it slightly nervous is it too loud is it too can we t- can I can I take my mark you know it was kind yeah. of weird and I think the tentative steps I hope we can carry on uh, and not have to go backwards um, because it's it's so much particularly for those of us in the LGBTQ plus community these places are our second homes these places are our safe spaces you know you you can go with your partner and have a nice meal in a, in a restaurant or even go to you know a, a, a so-called straight club and dance and no one's going to bother you but you still have to keep an eye you still have to look over your shoulder if you're going to touch your partner on the arm or you still have to kind of go who's around who's around yeah in lgbtq plus venues like the tavern you don't have to and that's the whole point of them you can be yourself and that's so important that that's what part of pride is it's it's being yourself having no shame let's go let's talk we must get back to the music yes. warren warren clark uh, so tell me about tell me about your next pick on my pride playlist well the next pick is uh it's funky house right um i worked for uh, this is kind of what you do as this, since i met you i'm like you are the funky house man if you go early doors at the rvt that's what you hear isn't it before but it's kind of disco and house yeah because house for a while lost lost a bit of its soul because you couldn't have a full string quartet and a massive you know 10 backing vocalists and stuff and then funky house kind of went well actually it's selling well enough that we can afford to bring all these people back that used to be on disco records yes and there's a, a massive amount of soul and funk in it. There's, a, there's a, a record company called Defected Records who who put out so many of these oh, they're brilliant. Huge, aren't they, 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 they were they were just uh, they started off as uh, AMPM Records as part of a bigger company, and then the bigger company wanted to pull it all into one label. So the people that ran AMPM left. They defected. You hey, see? see what they did and set up their own label. And massively successful. And uh, I worked on a, a gay radio station, one the, the first kind of uh, big 
successful gay radio station called Gaydar, Gaydar, Gaydar Radio. Yeah, you did mornings on Gaydar. Well, I did. I started off at drive time and came further back through the day. And Debbie Ryan, who does mid-mornings on Virgin Radio exactly. Prize, so you guys know each other. And it was a legendary station, wasn't it? A friend of mine used to work there, said that it wasn't just gay LGBTQ plus people. There were fire stations listening to it. And you, you guys had your, your own identity for years and years, didn't you? And it wasn't just uh, LGBT. It was about the music and the music that we chose the music that was kind of cool and in vogue at the time was house music was funky house yeah so it really started off as a funk. we won we won various awards probably because of the music we played rather than because it was an lgbtq plus nobody listened at the beginning we had about five listeners in the end we had like three quarters of a million but we played funky house yeah and even though it didn't start until 2004 Kind of uh, as it, 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 it in what it turned into, we reached back and found some of the best of Funky House so far, mm-hmm. and this track was one of them. Now I'm very, very specific. I said to your producer, "It's got to be the right mix." I've got orders it's, here. It's got to right. be the right mix. <laughs> you introduce it. Well, it's uh, Warren Clark, who's a producer. Kathy Brown, who is just the most amazing vocalist. If you ever get a chance to see Kathy Brown live doing this particularly it's called overview and this is the spen and charisma mix and it's another talky vocal from an angry woman who's been let down by her man do we get an impression uh i don't know about this man coming out of your life but he's not coming out of my life anymore (laughs) (laughs) i want to be kathy brown it's just wonderful and she gets well you'll hear it she gets really 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 stirred up I'm Steve Denier. It's Virgin Radio Pride on my Pride playlist tonight with Simon Levans. Uh, just before we get into your final choice, Simon, just recap. So le- I know we've been trying to figure this out, but seriously, look me in the eyes and tell me how many years have you been the resident at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern for? Uh, well, now there is some debate about it because my memory's shocking. Um, <laughs> Roughly, <laughs> I, I mean, t- I would say I've been t- within the decade. I've been there 28 years. Uh, because the first gig that I did on the Friday night that, that uh, Paul O'Grady's partner asked me to fill in for was definitely very early 90s. Uh, I took over the last... Uh, Adrella was the uh, Sunday resident when I started and I, I worked with Adrella for, for a long time. And then DE experience, Jonathan Paul Hellier, did 14 years. So I, it's got to be about 26 years, 25. So, I mean, which is an incredible legacy. Do you have any... Yeah, I know this is a huge question. I'm putting you on the spot now. One memorable, memorable occasion that you will never, ever forget, because I'm sure there's quite a few over the years. I mean, there, there have been some which I'd love to have remembered because they were so much fun. Yeah. You know, just the the, the greatest night out ever. Uh, some of the cues for uh, some of the nights we put on uh, when uh, Jonathan stopped doing Edna the first time. This is Jonathan Helly who plays D.E. Experience. And how long was he doing that for? He did 14 years. 40 every Sunday for 14 years. Incredible. And now it's just special occasions, isn't it? Yes, it comes back and, you know, now and then, which is lovely. But the official last two... Yeah. Uh, we could have sold 10,000 tickets. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. 10,000 The amount tickets. of people that wanted to come uh, and the queues snaking around for returns. I mean, sometimes you turn up at the tavern and you think, what, what are these people? Is there something on the oval? <laughs> and they're queuing for the tavern. If, if you ever get a chance, do see the D experience. He's, he's an incredible guy. Cause he, did he used to be in Bronsky Beat, Jonathan Hellier? He did He did a bit when they did, uh, after Jimmy Somerville, yeah. when they did the um, uh, song with Eartha Kitt, Cha Cha Hills. Yeah. Uh, he toured with 
them in America, so he did the stadium tour in America. Incredible him. vocalist, isn't he? Then and, he, he? And he comes on as as Dave Medner for the yes. first kind of half of the show. Yes. And it's comedy. It's the act. It's and, the then the Medner, and then off. the wig comes off. And then it gets serious. The, the yeah. music get, is just um, it's incredible, isn't it's it? An, there's people with tears in their eyes, you know, in the audience. Well, there, there's a, a, a podcast about uh, the song Small Town Boy by Bronsky Beat, which mm. I know some people have chosen in their yes. playlist. And uh, there's a story of when he, he sang it, the first time he ever sang it on stage, um, there's a guy called Sean Delenti, who's who's a, a wonderful campaigner for LGBTQ plus issues. And, and he was standing in the audience and he said, I, I, I picked up my pint and I, I, I was struck by a wall of emotion because... To your soul. Oh, it's been incredible. And, and he said, and I, I was really embarrassed because I started sobbing. Um, and then he said, and I just looked around and I noticed that other people were sobbing. And I've, I've experienced that in the tavern a few times when, when the absolute raw emotion of it cuts through. And it's not necessarily uh, elation. Sometimes it's, it's deep-seated kind of emotional stuff. Yeah. And I've seen Jonathan perform to it to an audience who are largely in tears. Yeah, and I've witnessed this as well. You're not you're not playing it up. It's in, it's incredible. It's I mean, if you ever get a chance to see experience at the tavern, it's almost like a well. I would say it's a spiritual experience. It's yes. really it really is quite amazing. We have many spiritual experiences. I have to tell you one other story because it's just weird. Go when Adrella was still there, the predecessor to DE. And I was working there on Sundays. Uh, I was doing a, a gig ga- uh, down in Kent the night before, and I was driving back with my partner in the car who was asleep. And it was the night that Diana, uh, the accident with Diana and Dodie. So '97, summer '97. So it might, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I got home, and 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 we put the television on, and it was a Saturday night, and we were watching it all night. And I'm like, what, what are we going to do at the tavern? It's usually mucking about and playing 70s disco and camp old tunes. And so then what happened? Fun. Well, it, it was like the zombie apocalypse. It was the most peculiar because Princess Diana is, is kind of revered uh, because she went to see uh, patients in age, AIDS hospices, you know, with, with AIDS-related conditions who were dying and touched them um, and, and removed so much of the stigma. I mean, helped so much. Mm. You know, this is... A, as the future queen touching people who were considered dirty and horrible by some of the tabloids, won't name any names. So she she was revered, kind of, uh, you know, in the story we started off with, that did she come to the Royal Vauxhall yeah, Tavern with Freddie yeah. Mercury and Kenny Everett? Probably, because that's the sort of thing she would yeah, have done. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So f- fast forward a few years, and I go in, and I'm, I'm looking through my boxes of seven-inch singles, because that's how long ago it was, <laughs> thinking, well, I don't want to play anything too... So I'm playing instrumental songs. Wow. Um, because I don't want to play anything, you know, oh, dance yourself, Dizzy. No, I can't play that. No, I'm playing Spira Gyra Morning Dance. And, and people are... They're bewildered. Uh, and Adrella comes in, Peter, no longer with us, sadly, and he, he comes up to the DJ box and he went, I, I, can't, I can't possibly do a show. And we all just stayed there and I'm playing, like, the same five instrumental records over again because we didn't know what to do. We couldn't get past it. And we didn't shut... But we didn't do a show and we didn't do any dancing. We just, and it was kind of, it was such a, such a bizarre experience. But it, I think it shows the depth of what the scene can do. Mm. It's not all about partying. Uh, same with Pride. You know, Pride's a great big party, but it's also a political thing and it's also very serious. Well, I was going to ask you, as we go into your final tune, Khalees, a cappella, um, just tell me about 
what does Pride mean to you now? We're coming to the end of Virgin Radio Pride. We've been this awesome pop-up station for the whole of the Pride season. What does it mean to you? It, it's very interesting because the first time I went to Pride, uh, I was so excited. Uh, the, the party, we, we marched from, I can't even remember, from somewhere in London, somewhere else in London, a very short route, and then we all had to walk all the way to Kennington Park, which is where the, the, the festival, if you like. And my memories are the stage was a flatbed lorry with Hazel Dean on it. <laughs> you know, it was kind of, uh, it, and it was a party, but it was very political, you know, shaking the gates of Downing Street and all that. And it was kind of half and half. And over the years, it's become a beer moth. It's become this massive thing where, and I remember people saying, uh, you know, we, we've got Sunita on in London, which is great, but they've got Cher on in New York. Why don't we have Cher on? And it's that kind of, do we have the big stars or is it a protest? Or is, And it kind of, you know... It, There's it still fall, that wrangling, isn't there? Oh, it falls over itself. Should it be commercial? You're, I mean, you, you've DJed up and down yeah. the country. I've seen you in Manchester. I've seen you in Brighton, everywhere in London. Um, so you've witnessed the smaller ones, the more community-based yeah. ones, but you've also seen, like, you know, Britney playing in Brighton, for example. Well, the first time I went to Brighton Pride, it was on the level. Right. Which is a much, much smaller park than Preston Park. And it was kind of, it was like Kennington Park. And I think there was, you know, hundreds of people there rather than tens of thousands. And I quite like, I mean, as long as it's f- for the right thing, as long as it says the right message, if it's just a party, although, as I said about earlier, about safe spaces, about not having to check who's around you, if there's 200,000 people in a park and none of them have to check who's around them, then that's a political statement in itself. And I'm not particularly uh, anti-sponsorship for the sake of it. Some of the AIDS benefits we used to do at the Black Cap were sponsored by Smirnoff. They just went, we'll pay for all the acts so that all the money goes to the charity. Mm. Now, this is a long time ago. This yeah. is a long time. And so so it's a, a big brand like that sponsoring LGBTQ plus people about a terrible disease. That, and, and so you kind of think, well, they're doing that for the right reasons, surely. Mm. And and I know it's, you know, putting a, a rainbow sticker on the thing you sell all the rest of the year and saying, hey, happy Pride, it's problematic. But if you're actually doing it for political reasons, doing it to help, um, rather than just, oh, well, the gays will buy our stuff now. Uh, but it's difficult. It's difficult. Manchester's going through a big sort of row of this year. Brighton's been through rows in the past. Manchester's been through rows yeah. in the past. And it kind of, it is what it is. I think it's very easy to harp from the sidelines. If you think you can run Pride better, volunteer for the committee. That's what I say. I mean, I've been involved in many Prides, but only as a as a host on the main stage or a DJ on the main stage. Always get treated really well. Tret treated <laughs> really well. Um but it is, it, it's very, it has to stick with its core message. It has to be about, pride is about not shame. Pride is literally not shame. We all grew up with shame. Whether we were bi, whether we were gay, whether we were lesbian, whether we were transgender, we were shamed for who we are by society. Pride is, is the antidote to that and should remain so, and we have to remember that. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a, a fascinating hour to go through all of your stories and the memories, and we could just do this for another two hours. To be honest, I know we're such a good time. Do you want to introduce this next track and tell me why you want to end with this? Well, uh, I mean, I still like going out dancing. Although this is now uh, eleven years old. old. Eleven years old. <laughs> Where does it all go? Uh, but I remember being in a club and hearing this for the first time, and it is so well produced. The yeah. production is utterly amazing and club sound systems got bigger and bigger and louder and louder opening beats on this Uh, Dave Orday is an amazing producer um, and uh, Kelly's great artist and then he he, obviously the record company or her I don't know 
who arranged for this remix to be made, but it is the best meeting between a, a song, a vocalist and a producer, in my opinion. If you've never heard this in a nightclub, go to a nightclub and listen to it. You will you will dance whether you want to dance or not. It is utterly sublime. Introduce it for us. It's Calice, it's a cappella, it's Dave or Day on the mouse twiddling duties. Simon Evans, thank you. Thank you so much. Entirely my pleasure. <laughs> 